1: Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking.
2: There are millions of people who are trapped in modern-day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love,
3: set the captives free.
1: Free. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. Now, here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
4: Thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We have another exciting segment today and show, and I would like to say hello to my partner in justice, Vanessa Russell, who's on the line. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you later today, actually. Yes. Yes. And our guest today is a brother and a friend, but many know him as the Reverend, Pastor Kirk Davis. <laughs> Rev. <laughs> hello,
2: hello, hello, hello. Also known as Just Kirk.
4: Too. <laughs> Just Kirk. <laughs> Just Kirk. Welcome, Kirk, to Abolition Radio.
2: Well, um, um, thank you. I'm so glad to be with you guys today.
4: Finally, finally. Yeah, yeah, this has yeah. been long in the making. Yeah. <laughs> busy schedules, busy schedule schedules. Take it away, Vanessa.
3: Yeah. So, Kirk, um I I wanted to start off by I was just looking through your bio and I think, you know, it's so interesting to um you know, have I've met you before and, you know, seen you presenting and And uh, actually, uh, my husband knows his friends or went to school with your wife and, you know, have all these connections and 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 not know, you know, all these great things in your past. And so having been able to look through your bio here, um, I see that you have a long history of having served the community both in terms of being a youth pastor at Providence Baptist Church um, and being involved in Young Life, uh, assistant chaplain at Juvenile Hall in San Francisco, uh, and founder of um, ministries uh, that help with uh, youth with processing their trauma and specifically post-traumatic stress. And so you've just done a ton in the way of digging into, uh, you know, mental health issues that are placed our, our communities and our children, and um, and then of course infusing you know the Lord in in, in the middle of that, and and trying to uh, help them process all that they've been through. And so, um, I wanted to just um, first off, I wanted to give a shout out to your, your current church family, First Presbyterian of Hayward. Yeah. Where you're the family and community life pastor. Um, so uh, shout out to them in supporting you in the work that you're doing today. And, and maybe just tell us, you know, how does that, what's the, you know, you've got this very rich history, and now you're um, a pastor at First Press um, of Hayward. Um, How how does that align? And what are the, you know, what do you think you've pulled from your past to get you to where you are today?
2: Well, I I think it starts off with um, um, just uh, where God placed me early on in my life and meaning Mm -hmm. where I was just born. Uh, Born and raised in San Francisco in the Petrol Hill area. Um, uh, I also... Did a uh, a lot of my time. I was, uh, as they say, I was a drug baby, meaning I was drugged to church every <laughs> Sunday.
3: Uh, i never heard that one. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Never heard that yeah, one. Yeah,
2: I was drug baby. I, I got drugged to church <laughs> every drugged Sunday church, in, uh, wow. <laughs> in Bayview Hunters Point. Yep. And so um, my neighborhood, in which I grew up in, uh, was unique to the fact that uh it had every cultural ethnic background there. I grew up with Filipino, Palestinians, uh Nicaraguans, um, uh, uh, Mexican and just knowing the difference of of uh Japanese and Chinese, it it just created me to be something different we we all as young kids played outside we ate at each other's houses um, i i got to know cultural differences uh real early and learned to respect them mm-hmm. um, learned to honor uh the differences but my experience on sunday was mono ethnic <laughs> it was all black and so it also shaped me in a certain kind of way as well Uh, so uh, it it kinda led me into some experiences that many of my other uh, brothers and sisters didn't get a chance to uniquely know and understand and uh, be in the playground with it if you will Um, so I just learned a lot from that and I think because of that background it kinda allowed me to become a bridge Uh, to others um, in a in a very different way and so uh, as i gave my life to christ uh, in early 19 and 81 which is a long time uh, (laughs) ago but yet uh it uh it produced something in me and god took all the things uh that were in my life prior and created something uh, in me, in my church life, even to the point of uh, I still was going to uh, a very Baptist if you will, church in <laughs> San Francisco. Shout out to Neighborhood Baptist Church, uh, you know, on Laguna and Hayes in the Fillmore District. And it, it shaped me as well into my spiritual life. Um, and I just learned so much about myself. Uh, Learned what God was doing in me and and they allowed me to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they allowed me to be who I was uh, without, you know, being so legalistic uh, about what they thought I should be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh,
3: that's good, you know and it's as you were as you were talking, I was just thinking about my own experience having been raised in San Francisco as well and um interesting you know i I came from the East Coast where at the time it was very segregated if you go back to where I was from now it's it's all diverse but at the time very segregated and um and when I came you know one of the reasons my mom moved us to the to the bay to San Francisco was because of the diversity and the ability to be exposed to like you said you know and you know right. and uh Pakistani and you know different ethnicities different languages different cultures different food and um that multi ethnic um you know i see that you you know you you planted a multi ethnic multicultural church, the new generation covenant church right, right yes. in two thousand and twelve um, I just love that and um and um i I imagine. I think, uh, you know, oftentimes I've, I feel like a lot of that has to do with me being biracial uh, or multiracial. Um, but I, you know, I think that as Christians, a lot of people are gr- gravitate towards that because the more you move in that direction, at least for me, <clears throat> the more you move in that direction, I feel like it, it, it's more like what, what heaven will be like, you know, mm-hmm. where we won't be so preoccupied with these stereotypes and with labels that we put on ourselves and others and more looking at the heart um not to you know devalue culture because I think you know culture is good um, but to almost look at culture as a way to appreciate uh, people different things about people different ways that people look um, you know and and speak and languages and uh and and experiences and and not as a way to keep people away from us or to keep ourselves safe because We're never safe, you know. (laughs) I mean, really, it's funny because just taking this from a spiritual standpoint, I've noticed one of the things that I I did – Uh, I did in coming into crisis I would say well you know these people are Christians this is years years ago these people are Christians and these people are not right and so these people are safe and these people are not Mm -hmm. well boy did I get an eye opener there (laughs) because the main ones who was doing stuff that had has been doing (laughs) were the ones that I was like wait a minute you're doing what yeah. Right, right. What <laughs> you know? So we start making those, you know, unilateral statements that these groups of people are safe or these groups of people are doing the right things or whatever, and you know, and we know that's not. You know, it's you'll know them by their fruit. Right,
2: and I think it's too. Also, is I, I don't think we really respect that that God uh, painted, if you will, with a, such a broad brush. I used to. Uh, always wonder why my parents used to, and I think it's just how, we, you know, just different age for different times. But uh, the the term being uh, colored blind really used to mess me up because I used to say, if God is colored blind,
4: mm-hmm.
2: then why would He make a blue Jay and a red Robin?
3: Right? No, yeah. oh. apparently That's
2: right. not colorblind. bind color isn't his issue, color is our issue right and uh i and we That's I think part of it is really leaning into the beauty of who we are, mm-hmm. and I think that comes out of you know later on sixties you know um being african american i'm i'm uh hearing uh James Brown saying i'm black and I'm proud mm-hmm. we had some things to do with that, but I think we we can't diminish, uh, just uh, place ours up so high that we diminish diminish others. That's that, right. That in the middle of all that that all of it is beautiful and all of it is gorgeous and all of it is also broken. Yes. You know we 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 uh, at our church uh, have been doing um, cultural months mm. and the truth is. All of our cult- cultures have this one thing, a uh, few things in common, that there is a beauty uh, and there's there a struggle and a pain. Yeah.
4: And you know what, Kurt? And I'm that that is setting us up really good for our next segment. Sure. We are going to come back with that when we come back in just a minute with another segment of Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We'll be right back.
1: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
4: And welcome back to Abolition Radio. We are so blessed to have as our guest today, Vanessa and I, my partner in justice, we both are blessed to have Kirk Douglas here as our guest today. And we were just talking about um, Kirk and his uniqueness and how San Francisco has shaped him. Uh, the diversity of the city. And I just want to add to the fact that when I met Kirk over 30 years ago, just what he said is true. He has been one of those foot soldiers, a mm-hmm. different type of person, always on the streets telling the goodness of the Lord. And that's how we met. Uh, two young couples, you know, newly married and on fire for the Lord. But Kirk has really, um, continued down that road of um, reaching reaching the inner city whether youth or just people in general and Kirk you were mentioning about there at your role uh, at First Prez as a family pastor how um, the various cultures have come into play and and you're working with that
2: yes Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it's 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 been unique in its approach because I really was like, "Okay, God, what are you doing?" Uh, I came from, uh... like I said, I was, you spoke earlier about um, I had planted a church in the Baby Hunters Point, uh, predominantly African American neighborhood that is now becoming gentrified. Speaking plainly about it, and mm-hmm. um, what were the changing dynamics? So i I was watching black churches die um because of or or I won't just say die i, I, I was watching them uh dry up because of the number of african Americans now living in San Francisco. Some people put it at around four or five percent and it's probably closer to three percent that is in san francisco now
3: um and the I have a question about that, because you know one of the things that troubles yeah. me about that is you know when we when we hear that metric you know there there 's a part of me that 's saying, why aren 't we staying but, like right. what, you know why aren 't there better opportunities for African Americans in San Francisco uh, and specifically in the technology arena because we know that that 's where all the money is coming in, okay. so why don 't we have more? African-Americans being supported as they pursue IT careers in IT?
2: Well, I think uh, this is a touchy subject, mm-hmm. so we have to be honest with, in some things where there's some systematic things that are there. And what I, what I mean by systematic, I do say systematic injustice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, if you understand the history of san francisco and i'm say this hopefully as quickly as possible but uh the southeastern portion of san francisco where bayview hunters point lies was originally the worst place to live yeah um it had uh it's uh earlier on it was where uh, the uh, Where the meat markets were, where the drink was happening, and so it smelled bad it wasn 't a great place to live and it had the worst things and the worst places and so as uh, the 1940s hit and World War two and so forth and so on came forth, the, the shipyards came and and people came from Texas and Louisiana and mm-hmm. Arkansas, and all the different other places and rushed here and i 'll use this term immigrated or migrated Mm -hmm. to those neighborhoods they came out here and it'll sound very familiar Mm -hmm. they came out here for a better life for their for their lives and for their children's lives they came out here for jobs sounds much like my uh immigrant brothers and sisters coming from mexico and uh in nicaragua and all that they came just like my parents so um in that, that that section of town got set aside. And so systematically, uh, for for a lot of reasons, uh, that's the only place where African Americans could buy a home. And so in that same systematic way, uh, the system within San Francisco is setting themselves up to actually actually systematically uh, exclude those who... um, uh, don't have those same opportunities within the tech industry. I actually sat down with a gentleman from Airbnb this last week, and we literally talked about that. And I had to be honest with him and say there is systematic injustice when it comes to just education, when it comes to uh, the prison uh, uh, prison systems, the justice systems, and we can 't just jump over that and say, "We just want to put a kid or put some young people in technology. We have to deal with the the system that continues to put them in the same place, and then we can 't have any tokens just come out. Mm-hmm. We have to literally uh, be Harriet Tubman's We have to go have to have those people come back in within the community and lead others out as well.
3: Yeah. So well, and this, it's interesting, you know, I just want to chime in on this. So, um, you know, having been raised in the city and I went to, you know, I went to Leconte, which, which is now Leonard R. Flynn elementary school. I went to Buena Vista. I went to Everett, to McAteer, uh, you know, public schools and, uh, and so I, you know, I have been really adamant about wanting to get our prevention education in the San Francisco School District and wanting to provide services there. And oftentimes I felt like I was pushed out and right. not appreciated as a, you know, as somebody who's previously in foster care, someone who's an abuse survivor, someone who's a woman of color right. uh, who grew up on welfare and all of that in the city. And, you know, you would think that would be like, oh, yeah, survivor leader right, you know, right, right. who's taking, taking on prevention education for abuse and, and human trafficking. That's, this is great, but I've not met with, been met with open arms.
2: Right. And some and, of that comes from you didn't go to Lowell or St. Mary's mm-hmm. right. or, or, or Mercy, Mercy. Or, or Reardon or some of these other schools that have uh, the connections to make that happen. You know?
3: Yeah. Uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, and and also I'm a Cisco executive. I mean, I talk about IT leadership. Um, you know, I mean, there's no reason to not want me there, and yet there has been, right. you know, there has been this, this this thing. And and I've often sat back and I've asked myself about it, and I think some of it has to do with, you know, us being a faith-based organization. Definitely. Um, you know, and there being some fear about that for some reason. It, it seems like, because I'm not a, Uh, You know, uh, someone who's looking to exclude groups of people. I'm, I'm very inclusive, you know, because I lead with love. You know, and so, um, but there's this dynamic that I've noticed about. Um, not really being very welcoming, and I think we 're at this place now where that's, that sh- that tide is shifting, um, but I want to see more you know when we talk about this issue of gentrification i don 't have a problem with communities. Um, you know, uh, b- growing and becoming people that are living there, be- you know, becoming, uh, more w- financially stable and well off. I think that's a great thing. I think it's a great thing to not have meat markets that- where there's a bad smell and, and poor living conditions and, you know, and so on. But what's troubling to me is the 3% piece, right? Yes. yes. Is- the lack of uh, equal participation right. and the lack of um, you know desert, uh, uh, concerted effort to ensure that everyone has equal opportunity to um, to these higher incomes, you know, and right. Right. and so it's just something that I wanted to you know get your you know very candid feedback on, <clears throat> and I have some stats that I wanted to share about San Francisco because I think this. Is- but maybe we'll do that in the next segment, but uh, you know, I I think this is something that um, you know, I want to be very vocal about it because I've been able as an African American woman in a uh, in an environment where a lot of people don't look like me, I've been able to solve some tremendous business problems, and I believe that there are talented individuals in those communities that have cures to cancer, that have cures to HIV, that have you know um, uh, you know that have transformative innovative uh, technical ideas that will create income for the united states right. that are, are, are that's untapped talent right and if for nothing more we should be investing there
2: I would say to you, preach. Anyway, (laughs) um, I think that's part of what we have to understand. There's this saying that uh, Dr. Cornell West says that justice is what love looks like in public. And I think um, most of the time is that we're not uh, showing what it looks like to to live publicly uh, in our faith, but also to stand for it. Mm. this is not right. This is, you you can clearly see that there's a, a a disenfranchised piece. There's not equitable pieces in what's happening here, and. We need to continue to stand for the uh, for those who can 't stand for themselves exactly. uh, I think it's the, the the opportunity is uh, for people in power those who uh, um, who have power to release power and that 's part of what justice does. Hmm. justice is about uh not only standing for those who, don't, uh, who can't stand for themselves, but those who are in power to relinquish power. One of the beautiful things that we have to understand uh, in many ways that many of the young people that you're talking about come with a certain set of baggage that other kids just don't have. Uh, I was speaking of Luke Wilberdink and some of the people from Lowe and some of the people from all these other schools don't have those, the same baggage that a lot of kids carry from some of the schools that, we, uh, that you were talking about, mm-hmm. and we need to help them unpack that nice. so they understand it, so they could grieve it in a way, yep. uh, but also... Stand on it yes. because it's actually going to be the thing that empowers. It's a strength, yeah. You know, um, I yeah. think
3: resilience. Yeah, yes, but, yes, that's but I my word.
2: Uh, I, 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 but I think also too, I'll say this real quick: is I think we also need to understand that part of it is uh, uh, the violence and the uh, the, um, the drugs in the neighborhood have created a certain kind of person, um, and it has made us a certain kind of thing. And because of that redlining and because of those things that happen, um, a, a good friend, Dr. Joe Marshall, uh, has this, this quote that, uh, around AIDS and HIV, and uh, uh, you get AIDS from being HIV, HIV infected. Am I correct in saying that? So HIV is what they call hood-infected virus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that people are uh, uh, hood-infected because of the vi- uh, the virus of violence around them. And it creates a certain kind of person. It, it makes you a certain thing, and then it, it stops you from dreaming about what you can be. And then if you are around that long enough, you get AIDS, which is addicted to uh, incarceration and death syndrome.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hmm.
2: And so we, we stand in that after a while. And then now you have a history uh, and, and a cycle of not only the violence, but the cycle of the some that continues to block you in and to where people can't see themselves as any other. And that's why the people who within power have to relinquish power hmm. and give it away. part of that is the church and others like yourself have to stand in the place with helping people to recover
4: from the pain and that's what we're in the business of doing more love and more justice when we come right back
1: we'll be back with more abolition radio right after these messages from our sponsors welcome back to abolition radio where you are invited to join the fight Against human trafficking.
4: And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Let's talk about that love and justice a little bit more. It's getting good in here, getting good in here.
3: Yeah. So during the break, we were talking about um, just really getting into a preach about Mm -hmm. the role of the church in all of this. And and, um, you know, just before, I'd love for you to bring back what you shared about, you know, uh, the hands, right, But and that visual, I think, is great. But, you know, let me give you a few stats here, right? So looking at a study that was done, I believe it was by Paragon uh, Research Company. Um, This study revealed that in San Francisco, there are 346,000 households. And of the 346,000 households, there are 62,000 that are um, households with children. And I believe that, you know part of what's being forced out of San Francisco is families families yeah. are being pushed out of yeah. San Francisco Man. not just um people of color but also families um correct you know that that has that is a i don't have the previous stat um but i believe that that's been a huge adjustment mm-hmm. from years past um the other pieces, uh, another data uh, bit of research that was collected by Applied Survey Research, it showed that um, the place of residence at the time of housing loss, at the time of homelessness, um, was 71 percent of those that are um, that are um, homeless in the Bay Area were became homeless in San Francisco. 71 wow. percent. Um, it also shows that the average. Uh, this is another study also by Paragon. The average asking rent, this is in 2015, so I think it's actually changed quite a bit. Average asking rent in San Francisco um, is $3,500 a month. That's about right. For a studio. For a studio. Yeah. Um, let me just make sure. I think it was actually for a one-bedroom, but it was one bedroom. Five- should be a one-bedroom. Yeah, it was thirty five hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom. And you
2: said the word average, right?
3: Yes, <laughs> average thirty five hundred. And then lastly, when we look at Bay Area de- demographics um, compared to San Francisco, um, you know, we see that. Um, Twenty three percent. This was, again, as of this was 2013. So this is a little bit old here. This this report from Paragon. But 2013, 23 percent of uh the of San Francisco is living in poverty versus the U.S. Uh, average at that time was 13. So there was a 10 percent delta. And I bet you that's tracked pretty, uh you know, tracked along pretty uh, steadily over the years um, in terms of there being a higher level of poverty. In terms of so, it's in summation, right? We, we've got we've got households with children moving out. We've got people of color moving out. We've got a high high level of disparity between poverty levels and uh, and U.S. poverty levels and city poverty levels in San Francisco. And then seventy one percent of those that are becoming homeless becoming homeless there in San Francisco. So, you know, the picture is pretty clear that there needs to be more concerted effort applied right. towards um, you know people that are having these challenges and i think that you know rather than coming after our government agencies which we always tend to do you know uh i think that the church has a role in mm-hmm. that uh, and yeah. you you know you were talking about that during the break and so maybe just kind of share a little bit of that and we can and not to condemn but to encourage
2: yeah. well mm-hmm. the, the, if you look at the, the original purpose of the church uh, let's let's even go a little further back the original purpose of Israel was what? That they would not only folks would know that they served a God, but that they would be a blessing to the nation. Mm. And part of the the issue with the church is that we have forgotten that we were supposed to be a blessing to the, to the neighborhood, Mm. to the, to the the actual infrastructure of, 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 of uh, of our neighborhoods and our cities, mm-hmm. um, I think we've overly relied on government participation mm-hmm. to fix some of the issues. Because I, in some way, I, I believe we've gotten lazy. Um, uh, the the whole thing is that um, the church has forgotten that salvation goes beyond mm-hmm. just the. Uh, heaven's gates, hmm. that we have to look at that salvation was the uh, looking for the welfare of the city, that mm-hmm. it, it had something to do with my health, my healing, my brokenness, all the pieces out the, uh, that included my salvation uh, uh, into heaven and having that relationship with God. But it included all of that, um, what we... Uh, stop looking at is that the church, uh and just like Jesus stood for justice for the broken, for the poor, for the marginalized, just go back to his original statement mm-hmm. as he entered into his uh his ministry um in the church and when he stood in the synagogue, and what he said all, i, I 'm not going to even have to quote it, but i I suggested all of us continue to look deeper at what that means mm-hmm. and what that says, and that he's come for those who are broken mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I think part of the issue is the church um, universal have stopped or or, or began to fear of getting dirty and getting Mm -hmm. messy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this gentleman by the name of Ray Bakke who wrote this book called Theology as Big as the City. And I believe it's around the second chapter uh, of this book where it says God's hands are in the mud or, Mm -hmm. or God's hands get muddied. Uh, Because in Genesis, you see the whole thing where he says he forms man from the dust Mm -hmm. of the ground and he breathes into Mm -hmm. the man and he becomes a living uh, soul or a Mm -hmm. living being. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, For my my as my head wraps around that, even though we know God is a spirit in my head, I still think of his hands. If he if he had these hands that as he formed us, he didn't worry about getting dirty. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even his fingerprints. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's me. I I grew up. My dad did labor Mm -hmm. and my dad's fingernails would be just filthy. Every time he came, home yeah, and I, for me, it's that image: is that he mm. went to work. Mm-hmm. He worked I, it out, yeah, and he worked yeah. it out, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what God is wants us: it. that yeah. we have to go to work. Mm-hmm. We're going to get dirty. the 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 ministry that we serve is not about a Sunday morning when everything is manicured and beautiful, mm-hmm. and I put polish on it and look at how gorgeous we look. It's dirty work, and some times it's difficult work. Um, Even the name Israel is, I used to struggle with it because if I grew up, like I said, kind of Baptist and I, I used to always think it was around being victorious and being on top. And uh, God wants me to be here. But it really, the name Israel means to struggle mm-hmm. or to wrestle
4: like Jacob did when God made gave him that name.
2: And so what is up with us who don't mm. want to wrestle? Mm. We just want to know. How can I get more, God? Mm. uh, More of you, God. And so we're we're fat and lethargic when it comes to the Word, but there's not enough of the exercise. What we have to do is go back into these communities. And yes, they're not going to talk like uh, we talk. And uh, we we, we put Christianese on Mm. everything (laughs) and not realizing that. They're speaking another language. And in according, and I, I know I'm on my soapbox right now, but according to what I remember about Pentecost, that Pentecost was not just about speaking in tongues. It literally is for people to hear the word of God, that I needed to speak the language mm. of the culture that is right in front of me. Mm. And now I'm not trying to say that you got to be, you know, change your vernacular, mm. but I need to speak the language. Right of the culture that's right there, what's left the remnants Mm -hmm. of what's left, the families Mm -hmm. that are there. And I'll even say this, and uh, I think we also need to talk to those who are coming. Mm -hmm. In San Francisco, it is a transient city. If Mm -hmm. you're there five or six years, uh, you're you're really, you've been there a while. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And we need to speak to them as well, because I believe God, brought them there as well. So what do we do with the person who just came to San Francisco so they don't usurp or or take the soul of the city. Mission the Mission District is no longer what it used to be. But we need to speak to it to those who are entering into it. But that's a role of the church to stand in the gap. Mm. And love well I think most of what what happens is uh, we lose the scripture of, uh, of love your neighbor as yourself mm. you know and um, I think part of that problem is that we stop learning how to love our neighbor well I think the commandment is real clear it says love your neighbor as yourself Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And so who is our neighbor? And and are we loving well? And so I think that's part of what we could do as a as a body. Um, and then I, I guess it would even be uh, stop the judgment on it mm. and say this is what it is. I know that might not be great grammatic language, but this is what it is. And love them where they are. Mm. Not Her. love them where to where we want them to be, mm. but love them where they are so we can allow people to be before they become, you know. So that's kind of my thinking in
4: that. That is, that is a real good pausing point to love our neighbors as ourselves. So as our listening audience is, is uh, meditating on that, we'll be right back with another segment of Abolition Radio.
1: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
4: Welcome back to Abolition Radio. We were, in our last segment, speaking of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we just want to see and talk about what are examples of that. You know, we have, for our listening audience, you know that we have our double portion store as an example. And um, the the store supports our ladies and our housing program and the ladies work the store. So what is a way that a church or a community could help? They could come help volunteer in the store with the ladies that would entail um, seeing them full on right where they are in a day, whether a good day or a bad day. Um, Churches can get involved with. We were talking about getting our hands dirty, right? And and working things out, and 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 taking action in in things in the fight of justice. Our justice is that of trafficking. Maybe your church, like another church here in the in the Bay Area, is gonna begin to open their doors for the traffic as a safe place, as a as a harboring area. There are various things that. Can happen, but we need to learn about the trauma that is involved in in our case in the the case of trafficking and um do you have more to share on that, Kirk? I know you have worked with trauma, well, trauma youth who have had trauma
2: yeah i and i think uh, I think part of it is is uh, the the work of the church. Uh, is also about allowing f- people to be fully present. Mm. What I mean by fully present is all of them: uh, their their hurts, their pain, their struggle, their beauty. Mm. Um, and so I think we, as we we welcome people not only into our churches, into our businesses, but the the church we could help them in being okay with being stuck. Mm. Um what I mean being okay with being stuck the the acknowledgement of that i 'm stuck yes. i 'm stuck economically i 'm stuck religiously i 'm stuck in my uh the brokenness of my family i 'm stuck in depression mm-hmm. uh, and, and being okay with those places um but it's all, it 's but it is about us entering in uh to those places of hurt and pain i I think the scriptures um uh, particularly psalms is sixty percent of the psalms is about praise mm. uh but the other forty percent what we don't do well is lament in other mm. words god how, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why is this broken? Why is this messed up it's not it's not uh uh the uh it's- n- it 's not a problem for us to for people to question it in that way it 's us for us to allow people to be okay with where they 're at and and invite him into the the yeah me too kind of conversation. Right. <laughs> so
4: would you say like walking alongside?
2: Definitely walking alongside. Yes.
4: Because there's issues
2: that we sometimes don't acknowledge and that's uh, and you guys are acknowledging it uh in your um in your when it comes to trafficking, mm-hmm. but there's an I- issue with gender. Mhm. Even mm-hmm. within church, or how we look at women. Mhm. Um, and the less than that we even that they even encounter in church. Yes. But it also shows itself in trafficking. Yes. It's in that same way.
4: It's one uh, of the root causes. It's one
2: of the root causes. Yes. And if we're not acknowledging that, then we're not right. acknowledging their full self. Right. And we're not acknowledging uh, them to be fully present. Mm. Uh, in that, so the task at hand is sometimes um, is finding places that we can authentically come in to listen. Mm. I think part of the problem is that we we 're so busy trying to be human doings instead of mm. human beings mm. and just be mm. and listen. Um, uh, just okay. heard this great thing ab- uh, about t- t- to love is to listen and to listen is to love. Mm. And I think that's part of the thing is, we're so busy having a conversation and trying to fix people when we're not listening to the deeper issue. And I think uh, um, if we could join in uh, uh, another organization that's already doing that work, uh, there are other nonprofits that, uh, that are doing some of this work that, you know, folks from other churches and other organizations should try to step in and just go to listen, not to try to do anything else, but to just walk in and say, you know, I'm just here to learn. hmm and uh, the real and that's the real place of what we would call disciple. A disciple yes. is a learner. Yes. And not necessarily a talker, right. but a learner. And yeah. so I think those it, it will present itself in so many different ways uh, that we don't know that we don't know.
4: Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, um, we always say collaboration is key and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. And um, but I'm going to let our listening audience, just meditate on what you just said, and we'll be right back with some events coming up.
1: We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking.
4: Do you have any uh, events that may be going on in your community? Well, just
2: uh, real quickly, we... Uh, at our church are preaching through the Ten Commandments right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fellowshiped with a uh, Jewish synagogue. And for those who don't know, Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> uh, so we had a good time meeting with them and seeing the similarities. And mm-hmm. stuff. So we're preaching through the Ten Commandments. We're in right now this week on the Second Commandment. Uh, last week was, of course, the first. And uh, it, it just was really great. So if you want to come by, stop by. We have service at, starting at ten o'clock. Uh, for those who don't like to stay too long, we out by eleven thirty, <laughs> and uh, we have children's and youth, and so you could uh, bring your kids there, and that's awesome. But also June twenty fourth, we're having a uh, summer nights tour where Drew Brex and uh, a guy named uh, Sean C Johnson. Is coming, and it's like a little hip-hop concert, R&B, R&P. I call it Rhythm and Praise. Mm. Um, I'll be coming here to the church. It's at 7.30. Uh, that will be starting. It's $12. Uh, you can look online. It's being sponsored by Rapzilla and presented mm-hmm. by Art Alive Movement. Yes. Um, who are my people, my Jaylen. folks, Jalen. And That's so, our girl. Yeah, so we we love for you guys to come by, bring your young people, bring yourself voyeur into a culture that might be a little different. Uh, but uh, it'll speak to your young people, and I believe it'll even speak to you as
4: well. And give the people the address.
2: The address is 2490 uh, Grove Way in Castro Valley, and the zip code is 94546. That's 2490 Grove Way, Castro Valley. It's First Presbyterian Church of Harrod. You can't miss it. There's a Trader Joe's right on the corner. Yes. You can park in that parking lot. Yes.
4: And if you want to reach Kirk, you can reach Kirk there at the church.
2: Yeah, you can reach me. uh, My email is kirk. At firstpress, P R E S, uh, Hayward.com. You could uh, contact me here. I'd love to uh, hear you, love to talk to you. If you have any questions uh, or if you just have any comments, and matter of fact, I'm here as a listener and a learner. Maybe you could share with some, something with me that I still am reaching for and, and love to learn more about you and what God is doing through you.
4: That is great. Thank you again so much, Kirk. And if anyone wants to reach him, um and you can reach him via our Abolition Radio Facebook page as well. But we have a couple of events coming up as well that I want to briefly tell you about. Um, starting today, the San Mateo County Fair is happening. And um, this coming Friday, the 16th, there will be um, an Art and Justice uh, concert, as you will, event there as part of the Before Our Very Eyes exhibit there at the San Mateo County Fair and uh, free to worship will be there and a lot of other art pieces and justice people about the setting the captives free from trafficking and the next day at Nuevo School, right next door, will be a panel discussion and with speakers from city council people as well as uh, Brian Woe from the Bay Area Anti-Trafficking Coalition um, and others who will be there to speak on this panel. So any questions, um, you can go come to San Mateo County Fair and find that there. Uh, also this coming Thursday, if you're interested in volunteering with Love Never Fails, you can come to 22580 Grand Street at our Haywood office at seven and uh, meet there with Heidi to get involved. Also, um, on the 12th and 13th, this Monday and Tuesday, we are, um, supporting Saffron Strand and their homeless, uh, event that they, their annual homeless event there at the Richmond auditorium. So that's an all day event. You can go to saffronstrand.org and get that information. Once again, we thank you for being our listening audience. Tune in to love never fails or, or plug in to log on to love never fails us.com for all information And we just thank you for being our listening audience today. And if you have not heard today, please know that you are loved.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thanks for listening and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free.